When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Black Firms show and it is so great to have you joining us today. It's also a huge privilege and an honour for me to be sitting here and hosting this programme. Our next guest, well, the word legend gets thrown around all too often these days, but she is an absolute legend of rugby here in Aotearoa. Dr Farah Palmer, our former Black Ferns skipper. She's a world champion several times over, vice chair of New Zealand rugby on the board of Māori rugby, uh, an IRB Hall of Famer and part of the originals, 19. 98, our Women's Rugby World Cup winning side. Dr Farah Palmer joins us now live. Kia ora Farah. Uh, how are things in your neck of the woods? You've got so many hats that you wear. I know we've come on uh, to talk about things of the past, but how do you juggle everything at the moment? Well, you know, it's a, it's a bit like everything in life these days. It's super busy, but um, I understand Wesley was on your show just before, so I've, we've just done a tag team. He's looking after the kids, and now it's my turn. Yes, you've That's got how we operate a days. pretty amazing combination. Uh, for those that don't know, Wesley Clark, who was just on the program, uh, is... Uh, married to Dr Farah Palmer and you two do both incredible work in the women's scene and just in rugby in general in fact that is uh, Dr Farah talk to us about the first trial match you were involved in back in 1995 we've obviously seen the recent one on Friday but what was it like for you how different were things back then oh very different you know we we relied on scouts going around and watching club rugby or maybe some provincial rugby it was a bit sporadic in those days and um, we were lucky. We had two garden bishops when I was playing at Otago, who was a real driver of women's rugby back in the 90s. And she helped us to fundraise so that we could go on a North Island tour and play in the lower North Island mainly. And she knew that's where the selectors were and that's where they would be watching rugby. So she made an effort to get us up there. We did amazing fundraising um, with the Highlanders and all the, the men's uh, rugby games teams down there. So that was um, really the start of everything and I got noticed there. Uh, we went to the Porirua Police College for a weekend of trial games which required us to do some training. The coaches were watching us and then we had maybe one or two games over the weekend and then we all got kind of pushed into a lecture theatre at the police college there and they named the team uh, in, that, in that area and it was just an amazing surreal moment. I think my name was the last to be called out because I was actually the reserve hooker. And I think in those days, the reserve hooker was the last name to be called out. So I can still remember that moment. What was it like when you called home uh, and said, I've been named? Yeah, well, in those days, you had to queue up for a, a landline. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so we were all just standing behind the one or two phones that were there and and waiting for our turn, and, and I remember ringing my parents. And mm. in those days, we didn't we didn't really have a name, so I remember saying, "I'm playing for the women's team." My dad was like, "What are you talking about?" I said, "I'm I'm in the All Blacks." I didn't know how else to explain it to yeah. him at the time, and I'm pretty sure he cried. And um, my mum was was probably nervous for me. You know, it was a bit of a shock to them. They didn't think that I'd ever make a New Zealand team, so it was a really cool moment. 
So tell us then, what was the first time like when you pulled on the black jersey with the silver fern on it? Yeah, so for me, I had to wait another year. So we only had uh, one game in 1995. And because I was the reserve hooker, Tracy Lemon, a uh, legend herself, yeah. she uh, has now passed away. So she was the, the hooker at the time, and uh, she didn't get injured. I think there was a time she went down a little bit sore, and she made eye contact with me and got straight back up again. <laughs> so I um, I realized if I really want to make an impact on the team, I need to go away, train even harder. And so my first game was in 1996. And um, it was just, once again, just these moments where you can just feel yourself having an out-of-body experience where mm. you're looking around thinking, I can't believe this is happening, listening to the national anthem, singing it, looking down at your black jersey. It's just always real moments that you'll never, ever forget. Fast forward a couple of years and you're playing at the Rugby World Cup in 1998. Um, first and foremost, before you get there, um, how did you all make it? Because it's not like these days, right, where women's rugby has contracts through New Zealand rugby. So what was that like for you? What was the journey like to get there? Yeah, I think we were all just super excited to be playing yeah. for New Zealand. You know, that's first and foremost, and we just made it happen. I was fortunate, I was still a student, so it wasn't so much of an effort for me to make time to go away. I know there were a lot that were working, a lot of teachers, some were in the police, so yeah. they uh, were fortunate that those they were working for allowed them to take time off. So, um, And we got $30 a day, and we used to get it in an envelope. Uh, so as a student, I thought I was pretty rich, getting $30 <laughs> a day for while, we were, while we were away. Um, but for some, it was it was just a gesture. It was yeah. just to help with costs while we were on tour. We still had to do our own laundry. We had to go and get our own lunches. Um, we had leftover uh, tracksuits and uh, shirts and so forth from the men's uh, rugby teams. And I do remember we had a lot of triple XL and XLs, and everyone would be fighting over the smaller sizes just so that we didn't look like a ragamuffin lot really it's quite it was quite funny at the time I know now everyone would be like in shock and horror yeah but for us at the time it was just the honor of playing for New Zealand and that was the main focus for us absolutely um and what are your memories of the 98 World Cup what I suppose the final would obviously be the thing that stands out is that right oh yeah just just the buzz of being there in in Amsterdam of all places, you know, not what you would often associate with rugby and just seeing all the other teams there. It was just a bit of a wow moment and it was a great tournament. It was all at one place. So it was really a festival atmosphere. And I think we were the first team to kind of take it seriously. I think it might have been more of a festival in the past, but we were the only team that was carrying water bottles. You know, we were doing carbo loading immediately after the game. We had we had a physio. We had all of these things. And to us, this was serious. This wasn't about having a party or having lots of fun. We were there to win. Yeah. And we were there to demonstrate that we were professional in our mindset. So, what... so I remember that. I remember there was lots of fun as well. And what were the celebrations like after that final then, the first one, the first official sanctioned World Cup? And what did that do for the game? Oh, it was an interesting time for us because, you know, I don't know if you remember the Paul Holmes show way back in the 90s. I do. Um, <laughs> we, 
We got a lot of media attention and we got a lot of faxes from home. Apparently, yeah. we made the hotel room run out of paper because <laughs> there's so many faxes. Uh, but we also, I don't think the All Blacks were doing so well at that time. And it was a pretty dismal time for them. So we got a lot of media attention and we made the most of it. You know, we really wanted to demonstrate that we were serious about this, that we were here to represent New Zealand. We were proud of wearing the black jersey. People were calling us the Gal Blacks and the Lady Blacks. And that's where we said, no, we want to be known as the Black Ferns. Yeah. Um, so there were lots of firsts and lots of attention. And it was such a cool moment to, to win and uh, to celebrate. And the way we celebrated was that we just had a whole lot of junk food in our changing rooms. Because uh, we were on really strict kind of can't have any junk food. In those days, you could kind of do that. Nobody would blink, <laughs> blink an eye, really. What was junk food in Amsterdam? Oh, um, we weren't allowed butter. We weren't allowed um, anything with sugar. Wow. So for us, we just wanted ice cream. You know, really, probably, it looked like a kid's party, probably, to be yeah. honest, if you went into a <laughs> Because we all made a commitment and we all made sacrifices to be there yeah. and we really, really wanted to prove that we were the best in the world and we weren't just there, there to play a game of tiddlywinks, we were there to win a World Cup. And is that where the Black Ferns name came from? Was it 1998? That's, yes. So we had a team meeting in one of our rooms and we had a big discussion. You know, there were people that were at different ends of the spectrum in terms of what we wanted to be called, but we all decided that the Black Ferns was what we wanted to be named as Black because we associate that with um, sports teams and Ferns because that's what we tended to associate with female sports teams. So we just put the two together, Black Ferns. Yeah. It wasn't until we came home and New Zealand Rugby did a bit of marketing research and we also found out that Black Ferns meant, was the matriarch of the forest, the mamaku. And so that was another reason why we thought, yeah, this name really uh, fits well with who we are and what we represent. Very, very cool. Well, thank you so much for sharing that story with us. We love uh, having a bit of history on the show, on the Black Fern Show. And, of course, we're also uh, looking ahead to the Women's Rugby World Cup in New Zealand later on in the year. As a Black Ferns legend yourself, you've been there since the beginning. How significant is this for you? Oh, look, this is a major moment. Um, I've won three World Cups, and when I went over to Ireland and bid for the World Cup to be hosted in New Zealand, yeah. I felt like I'd won another World Cup. Just having the opportunity to demonstrate to the rest of the world how amazing rugby is in New Zealand for both Tāne and Wahine, yeah. and how we can celebrate mana wahine here and on our own um, turf is just amazing. So I'm really looking forward to seeing some amazing rugby players and putting on a great festival for everybody. Well, you're amazing and you continue to inspire. So, Dr. Farah Palmer, thank you so much for your time. We so appreciate it. No problem. Thank you. Thank you. Dr. Farah Palmer joining us. Wow. Um, some incredible, incredible stories there. That that was seriously amazing. Um, when we come back, we're catching up with Taylor Johnson, who will have some equally amazing stories as well.